Howdy, listeners. Hey, this is Paul Frields. This is Dave Guzman. And uh, we're breaking out of our normal beginning format here because we did our first ever two-part podcast. Um, We talked a while about uh, James Jamerson, and the conversation just got so deep into what he meant to us that we decided to split it up. Yeah, it just seemed the right thing to do at the time. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, the conversation went in a lot of different directions. And, you know, if you haven't listened to it, you might want to go back and pick up last week's episode. If you're not a subscriber, of course, that's the easiest way to get a hold of it is to look us up on your podcasts app on your iPhone, your uh, Google Play Music on your Android. Um, you can look up iTunes on your on your Mac computer or Stitcher Radio on any platform, and you can hit the subscribe link. That will show you this week's episode, but it'll also show you last week's episode and probably a few more behind that. We do recommend you know go check out the first part of this podcast to hear like how we got to this point. Um, yeah, I think we're going to probably just launch right back into it. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, we'll bring guys right back into our conversation where it started. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll uh, we'll see you next week with a, a great, another great topic. And again, we want to thank our pal Adam Smolanski for suggesting this topic. He didn't know he was going to get a double header out of it. That's our, our little way of saying thanks to him. And uh, we hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks. Please listen carefully. So if you're going to be covering a Motown song, um, you know, we, we talked a lot about Jamerson and his influence and his genius, but how yeah. do you tackle that? Like really to bring this down to the practical level, like yeah. what do you do when you're faced with a Motown yeah. tune? I say I'm not the guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bow out gracefully. <laughs> I'm not your guy, guy. I'm not your guy. <laughs> I'm not your pal, chum. <laughs> that one's for Adam. Adam liked that. Uh, yeah. I'm not your guy. <laughs> I'm not your guy. No, I, I, you know, Adam may be your guy though. He's probably your guy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Adam, Adam's, Adam's your guy though. <laughs> I, but I know a guy. I, I'm not your guy, but I know a guy. Um, yeah, it's tough because it's definitely one of those, you know, one of those pieces that you don't want to fake it. So, or at least for me, like I can't just fake it. So I've got to really tackle it. So, you know, I, I, I get pretty deep into figuring out exactly what's going on. there as as close as I can get. I mean, to the Um, point of like, do you transcribe the parts and learn them that way or look up like, um, you know, yeah, I slow it way down and I just try to internalize each part. Um, and it, it's, it's a big task. You know, it's like one of those things where it's almost like a poison for me that I shouldn't get into because it gets a little too deep. Uh, but I, you know, because the thing is, is like, I can't do that. The, the one finger technique, I practice it sometimes just like on odd, you know, yeah. in odd times, I'll just go ahead yeah. and I'll just give it a shot to see how far can, how far I can go with it. But it's like, it's not. And, and if, and if I can't get that, then I always hear the, the difference you know, I always hear the difference. Yeah. It shouts out at me once I start using two fingers because they're just two different pressures. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like my middle finger is just stronger than my right pointer finger. Right. Index, I guess I call it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're so, like, yeah, they're like two different attacks. Totally two different, you know, and, and so then I have to focus on the, the tension with each, you know, mostly what I do is I just try to 
you know, I just keep in mind what what his approach was for me, like how it how how I see it, and I just do the best uh, you know translation of that. Which for me, I always feel like there's a lot of um, you know, there's a lot of playing around the one, I and mean, there is playing on the one, but there's also like playing around it. There's bouncing around that one, right? Right. right. There's also like points where he's just kind of like leaves you hanging at the end of the line yeah. and then pulls you back right. hard. Right. Right. Like whatever that dramatic thing is, I try to, I try to get the essence of that thing. Um, and I also look at, um, you know, where he's, as I was mentioning, like how I feel like he's, he was playing around, you know, the melody of the vocals and kind of keeping that in mind. And also that, that he's, as you were mentioning, like that there's a, a mood piece of it. Like where he yeah. captures a mood, yeah, and how to get that, you know, like really feeling that emotion and trying to channel, like what does this mean, right, in playing, and how do I interpret that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's even I think I was just listening to, um, you know, a couple songs, but one of them was um, "Ain't No Mountain High Enough," right? Yeah, yeah, and and then there's like, you know, I think one of them is like "Ain't No Valley." deep enough you know valley low enough low enough yeah. that's it and you could see like the bass note drops yeah. like and yeah. it's not unintentional like no he's painting a picture for you yeah he's getting as literal as he can he's with the instrument you, like he's literally telling you what's going on right yeah i just at some of those things you know i mean from a sound perspective you know i always try to go warm and punchy as much as i can you know with whatever i yeah. can do with my bass and try to find like the deadest strings you know if i have any you know labella whatever anything in there whatever's dead kind of throw it in there and um you know that's kind of the way that i approach it that's my best swing yeah yeah it totally i mean you're <laughs> none of us is none of us is james ain't right. none of us james ain't, ain't none of us james. <laughs> so yeah. yeah i mean the but you know, and, and but you actually like i think from overall like our experiences with with covering music and playing i you probably cover more at least that era Motown or Jamerson songs, right? Um, you know, it, at times, like, you know, I, I mean, I've, uh, one of my most recent bands was a soul band. Right. We didn't do that much Motown, honestly. Um, we did kind of a little bit, we tended to be a little bit newer okay. stuff. Sure. But there were definitely some, you know, some Motown things that, that, uh, that we did. Um, you know, we did a little temptations, right. we did some Stevie wonder, things like that. So, you know, definitely touched on what was going on there. Yeah. Um, the thing for me is, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to be playing that, if I want to feel it, it really helps me to have the P bass. You know what I mean? Right. Like, have that P bass. Right. Flat wound. Get there. Yeah. Like you said, dead. Yeah. You know, you know, he used to like eat, Jamerson used to eat like the greasy fried chicken. Right. You know, and he was like, that's, like he just added to the strings. Like, yeah. That's where the soul comes from. Like, <laughs> right. It comes from the chicken grease. And, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I can't say I've ever gone out like, you know, go yeah. binge at the KFC and then like immediately run to the gig afterward right. or something. But, or maybe, or maybe you can, but I might, right, right. I, might I might try it's one a possibility. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, the P base is the, the gotta have. Like, right. That, that's a, that's like, it's like a non-negotiable. <laughs> right. You know? Are there any other aspects of like the, on the technical side, like gear wise, well, what you look at? Yeah. Well, so, so this is funny. So last year I, I kind of fulfilled this dream that I had and mm -hmm. I, I finally got a, an original, um, Ampeg. 
B15N. It's right. a 1961. So it's the first year that they made the B15N. The year before that, it was a B15. Yeah. They only made that for one year. It was 1960. In 1961, they came out with the B15N. The N stood for new. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how new it was. Like, what did they do that was newer? I don't know. They put an N on it. But yeah, I found one of these that was in the chassis. And actually, the electronics, to some extent, were in really good shape. Yeah. Like the Lucite things still lit up. The original transformers worked, like all that stuff. The speaker was blown like it was an original. The original Jensen speaker was in it, but completely oh. blown. Like you couldn't, if you turned it up beyond a whisper. And I mean, I'm not talking about like a whisper for a deaf, you know, Right. rocker who's been I'm, i mean literally like a whisper right if you got it over that it would just have this you know flatulent right sound it was just like it was completely destroyed so i had that taken out and had it replaced with something a little more modern something but something compatible sound wise at a right. guy did that for me um out in warrington yeah and um i'm sorry you still have me at flatulent <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had your attention right there well dave um yeah, so you know, it did have to have a little bit of work done to yeah. the internals um to put it back in working order, but it had been kept in a like a lot of its life, it had been kept in a studio or a closet and you know, it was abused and then put away as being like useless. Right. And I got basically found this closet classic for yeah, uh, yeah I'm not going to tell you what I paid for because it, it was crazy. It was right. like crazy low. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I did another, you know, thousand dollars of work on it or whatever to get it back to working order and it's phenomenal now yeah so i love putting my the p base into that and playing through that is amazing but the funny thing is you're saying like mm. and i didn't do that as i didn't do that ignorant of what i'm about to tell you right. but i did it because i knew that you know jamerson probably used a setup like that on stages you know because right. that was the amp back then like you there really weren't a whole lot of amps to choose from it was like that you know back right. in the early 60s that was it right um but as it turns out you know they didn't really use that amp much in the studio because they really didn't right. have like fantastic mics for that for right. bases that was their that was their the live rig really, they used right? a di like right. they had a di box and they right. went straight to the console that's how they did it <laughs> And the funny thing is, so you can buy a DI box now. I think Acme, Acme makes it. Acme does, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and I'll, we'll put a link in the show notes for those of you who care. And I think it's about yeah. like 450 bucks. Mm -hmm. uh, you can get a DI box that's been designed to spec, like down to the component level, to be as close as possible to the original boxes right. that they used in the Motown uh, yeah. studios because that, they made their own stuff then, yeah, right that wasn't a place like you didn't go down to like musician's friend and buy a di box right. they had to make them right and so yeah so yeah. you can buy this one that's been handmade and hand wired similarly yeah. to those boxes and uh and that's what they used for all those recordings but you know seeing as how yeah. you're probably not going to like do that like most stages or whatever like this having this b15 in yeah. really does make me very 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 happy yeah yeah if it brings if it brings you joy exactly yeah it, yeah if it if it's music and you're happy with yep. it do it that's right the um yeah and i think when i'm when i'm playing the thing that i try and think about is the i don't know the aspect of just the joy in his playing and like i, I probably don't worry quite as much about 
maybe every single move or every single note. Right. But just thinking about like, you know, like just thinking about right. his motion will give me like that gives me what I yeah. need. Like it gives me the motive that I need to get in and yeah. play something that's fun and comes from the heart and, but yet will deliver into the song, right? The feel right. that, you know, hopefully that is, that's looking for. And, you know, hopefully it's not like too big a disservice or anything like that. I mean, I'll, I'll use those moves and, you know, bounce around like the root five octave that he would do often. Sure. Yeah. But it would seem like he was gearing up for something else like there's something even more magical coming right. and he's like, Oh, well there's some space here and the music is kind of moving. So to propel it, I'm going to like do, 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 do. And he just right. throw that in just because, you know, right. He could do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, you know, but to, to at that, least like take the time to really deliver the essence. Yeah. Without overplaying like that weird balance of, you know, getting that through is, uh, it works. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. And, you know, I, I think when you have fun with the music, it kind of, that communicates. That's right. It really communicates something that was intrinsic to those songs. You know, it really, it really mattered. Like those, yeah. those songs were made for, for people to dance to, whether it was a slow dance. That's right. You know, at, at the prom or whatever, or where there was like, a, you know, you know, people were getting their sweat right. on or whatever. It was like, it was designed to make, make you move, like make you feel something. Exactly. So just like playing a simple line, like it isn't enough. Like you want to, to really express, yeah. like you want to get into that headspace of how do I have fun with this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, to me, that's like the essence of it. Yeah. I think that's, that's critical. Like if, if I think of, you know, other things that I would add to this that's certainly at the top of my list is my my memory of you know my first memories of listening to, to Jamerson is they're they're not knowing that he's the bassist right like yeah. hearing them as a child yeah and you know remembering that that's like that's what I first learned to dance to right like going like being a part of my family's house parties and knowing like that's what people were dancing to right. in the living room right? of like mixed cultures and mixed people. And just the, having that atmosphere that at the end of the day, it's like connecting that, you know, the, the bass can drive a lot of that. Yeah. It's yeah. not all the bass, but man, we have, we can really influence and yeah. he got right to that. And for me, that's like super important. Oh my gosh. Like that, that connection that you just made is, that I mean that's that is I think you just hit on the heart of why those songs are so timeless. I mean, they're great songs, right? right? A lot of these songs are absolutely genius writing and the musicianship is great. The singing is fantastic. Right. You know, decades before there was like auto-tune and all that stuff, like, you know, people really performed this stuff. And a right. lot of these are like live takes, like they're doing you know, you may be here in the second take in the studio or something like that. And these guys are good. That's how they work. But beyond yeah. that, it was just this idea of, you know, bringing people together and bringing like some peace and love in the world through music. That's right. And it, and still to this day, 
yeah. that communicates. Like I challenge anybody to like get a collection of like greatest hits of Motown music or something like that. Right. If you put that on it, it doesn't matter who is right. there. It could be little kids who are five years old. Yep. It could be people sitting in a, you know, in a rehabilitation center who are like 90 yep. years old. That's right. Everyone loves it. Like that's, it's like, that is one of the most, I think it's one of the most universal yeah. um, genres or one of the most universal times that music ever had. And it really is yeah. like you said, the bass, like, because it taps into those, that low feeling of groove Yep. That we're like, we're like hardwired as a species to receive that. Yep. And Jamerson tapped into that. Yeah. He like, found it and he, and he, you know, that's why, and not like, not to cheese this up, but if you look at, we've all been to weddings. Yeah. When you go to weddings, when they want the dance floor to hit, it's, it's Motown. That's all what you they're going do. to. That's right. All you got to do is put a Motown song and everybody will you, get up. And you could call it cheesy, but. Damn it! Like people no. are on the floor. No, that's that's as real as it gets in my book. Like, yeah, it's that's that's it. I mean, that is it. Right. If we're striving for something like that, that's it. They found that. Right. You know? And maybe we've been trying to get it back for a long time. <laughs> we we had it for a, for a minute. We had it. Yeah. So I mean, still worth looking into. But so, uh, you yeah. know, we we've talked a lot about you know a lot of different facets of of Jamerson. Um, are there any other points that you feel like? No, anything else that you wanted to say? Anything we didn't, any point we didn't make here? I mean, I think, you know, I, I feel like we covered a lot. There, there are certainly a lot of areas that, that have been on my mind about this topic that, you know, have come through. I, I probably would, you know, not, not that we want to get too technical on this episode, but you know, there certainly needs to be some thought about just the technique in general and, you know, what that actually like what that does, like just the evenness yeah. of those sounds and the fact like it, you were talking about how he went from like upright to electric. So it allowed, you know, it, it allowed him pl to play with it yeah, quicker and easier, but there is something about after listening to Jamerson, I started thinking about the concept of approaching my bass with a lot more evenness and it does something, right? Because right? right. now you're in control. You're not at the mercy of like, yeah, my middle finger always plays a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. And and so even without doing that technique, it start started to make me think about that. It's and like one attack. You one attack. This attack. Yeah. Boom. And and you can you can go deeper, you know, you could dig yeah. deeper or dig less, but at least then you're in control. Um and the other thing that it taught me too is the whole kind of muting thing i mean it's just a big piece of it you know yeah. of course there was foam in there or whatever i'm sure and I'm sure there were different techniques that are that were happening but i think a lot of it might even the the muting maybe was even in the left hand possibly yeah. but yeah yeah i mean there's there's a bit of that i think that people you know some people will will ape that with left hand and yeah you know you certainly can do it with the foam under the bridge and you know that's a lot you know they, that was like a typical thing back then because you wanted to get like people were striving, I think, for the electric bass to be more like an upright, just right. louder. And right. So yet, you know, the ringing that you would get from it was just not like sure that didn't catch on as its own thing at that yeah. point. You know, rather than having this bah, you know, it'd be more like boom, boom. Right. Like you really wanted that, like that, 
big round attack and then like a quick the fall off. Yeah. 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 So I mean, and, that's, and, and I don't know, you know, these, these are all like stylistic things, but at least for me, when you explore something so simple and so almost pure, it's nice to try to figure out yeah, what was going on there and what can I learn from that? What, right. Can I, can I use that? Can I not use that? But it, it brings on a whole nother area of technique to explore. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to chew on there. Yeah. Um, what about, do you have any other, any, any other areas that we haven't really talked about that maybe to close this out? I mean, I, you know, I think you, you, I think you hit the nail on the head with the, like the sound and what you're trying to represent, you know, getting the, getting that attack. that's more like a very consistent, um, having a sound that's very round and very quick to decay, quick to fall off. Right. Right. And it's, if you can manage to learn how to hear that and make your bass playing, you know, conform to that, right. That is another tool in your arsenal and it will teach you how to, you know, take your playing to, you know, different genres to have a different sound. Like it makes you more versatile. Right. Right. So understanding that I think is real. It's a great tool for your bag. Yeah. And the other thing I think that sticks in my head is, um, you know, there, there are these videos. I, I'm not sure if we've talked about these guys in a previous show, but we probably did. Um, Wolfpack, right? right. Who's a, you know, modern kind of instrumental jam sort of right. band and definitely very funky, very mm-hmm. influenced by funk and soul. Um, yeah. They have a series of videos that you can find on YouTube and they show, and we'll, we'll link some of these in the show notes too, but they, they show graphically, right? This, you know, kind of with a simplified version of yep. what you would see on a music staff, they show you where Jamerson's lines are going and you can literally watch his playing get from, you know, like we were talking about the simple yeah. lines that get more complex and they get like you know, these, these, this almost symphonic quality, right. you can literally watch that develop as you watch this, you know, the bouncing ball or whatever that shows yeah. where his notes are going and watching that, you know, even all after all I knew about Jamerson, like yeah. watching that just gave me a whole new level of appreciation yeah. for what he did as a player. Me and, too. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely encourage people to go check those out, check out, um, you know, obviously go check out if you're not real familiar with Motown recordings beyond like two or three songs. I mean, dive into that. Like you will not be disappointed. There's so much to, so much to chew on as a bass player and so much to learn. And and it's just great fun to listen to. Even if you don't want to get to that level, even if it doesn't interest you to learn how to play that stuff, it's so much fun to listen to. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're great songs to, it's a great genre just to listen to, and then you can also look at, listen to it as a bassist and as a musician. Yeah, and it's it's almost you know sometimes two different things where yeah. you start to deconstruct it and it's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's as good a place as any to end. Um, so, you know, we hope you guys have enjoyed uh, this discussion on on James Jamerson. Leave us some feedback, right? Stop by the website at practicalbase.com or, you know, go to one of our social media sites. Facebook is a great place to reach us. Look for Practical Base. 
can also find us on Twitter or Instagram or Google Plus. Leave us messages, photos. I don't know. You know, if you've got a Jamerson style rig or a bass or something like that, send us your photos. We'd love to see that stuff. It's great. You know, spread the bass love. That's what we're all about. An easy way to do that is, again, go to practicalbass.com, look for the subscribe link. You can find information there. Subscribing is easy on any podcasting or podcatching app. If you're on an iPhone, you can go to your podcasts app and search for us there. You can find us on Google Play Music on your Android phone or device or any computer for that matter. You can find us on iTunes on your Mac. You can find us on Stitcher Radio on any platform. When you do, just search for Practical Bass and you'll see our friendly black and white logo come up. Hit the subscribe link and you're going to get a new episode delivered straight to you every week so you can hear what we're talking about. And again, don't be shy about sharing topics that you'd like to hear. Um, This one was shared by one of our good friends, Adam Smolanski. We want to thank him for kind of seeding the ground with, you know, a great topic. And uh, we've done this in the past and hopefully we'll do it again in the future uh, according to what you guys want. So we'll look forward to hearing from you. And until then, I'm Paul Freelds. I'm Dave Guzman. And this has been Practical Base. Thanks for listening. So I, there I was at Strange Ways. Strange Ways Brewing, Fredericksburg. And, uh, Bling. and I was talking to the barmaid for want of a better term <laughs> and you know we're chatting about beer stuff and other things and she's like oh yeah what, what's going on i said oh well a friend who's coming over tonight we're doing some recording and she's like oh what are you recording i said well we host a podcast and she asked what the, the podcast i explained the, the concept and she thought oh that's she said oh that's really cool it's really cool she's like i just recently got into podcasts and you know i got my growlers and like i hope this is the best podcast ever and i was just like that was super nice that's super nice to say and no one's ever she gave me that and i said well comment before i said well you know maybe we can maybe we'll name drop you guys in the podcast she's like oh you should definitely do that i'm like well other people pay us not to so right (laughs) let's see what you think afterward (laughs)